Oh, no, it's okay. I'll probably take a sip between songs at the end.
come to you today and we thank you just for this opportunity that we have to meet together and to worship you Lord I pray that as we sing this last song God that we just lift our voices up to you and lift our praises up to you God we thank you that you're in control of all things
So good. Are you glad that he's in control? Amen. Praise God. It's so good to have you all out today. And uh, for those of you that are joining us online, we are uh, glad that you are able to connect with us as well. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. Wow, it is uh, Memorial Weekend. So uh, to start out with, we would like to acknowledge our veterans that are... Uh, not only in the house, uh, but that are uh, watching us online. And so if you're a veteran with us here today, would you uh, be willing to stand with us so that we can just honor you here this morning? And so all veterans, would you stand? Thank you. Thank you. It is so good to have uh, each of you here, and we are so uh, appreciative of uh, your service to our country. And, you know, we... Uh, we have the opportunity to uh, enjoy the freedoms that we do because of the sacrifices made by our veterans, uh, uh, current and former veterans that uh, have served this great country. And uh, we are thankful for uh, you being with us today. So thank you very much. Praise God. Today we're going to continue moving uh, into our one anothering series a little bit further. And uh, uh, we're, I've titled this one, uh, it's the fifth one of our One Anothering series, but I'm I've titled this one, We're Getting Serious Now. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, you better pay attention. All righty. It is not easy being a follower of Jesus. It is easy to live in this world and do whatever you want. It is, it is easy not to be considerate of other people's thoughts, feelings, and emotions. It is not easy following Christ and abiding by the principles that he has established in his word. And as we have been going through these one anothering concepts that have been presented to us throughout the scriptures, these are commands that have been given to us in order to develop the relationships necessary for us to function the way God intended. See, God requires something of those who call themselves followers. He requires something of them. Being a follower of Christ, listen to this here, being a, a follower of Christ requires deeper relationships. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands out there, but I know that there are those that have a a natural tendency to self-isolate. They, they like being able to get away from people. 
And yet, when you read the things that God has established in his word, one of the things that becomes very apparent is that God wants you to be in relationship with people. It requires a willingness to be part of something. Now, you, you who call yourselves part of Bellbrook Community Church, whether you be in the house or worshiping with us online, you are part of something. And that means that not only do you identify as part of the flock of Bellbrook Community Church, but you are brothers and sisters with all those that are gathered, whether they be here or online. You have a, you have a unique relationship with the, this group of people. Now, I can honestly tell you the bantering that goes on between myself and Ryan would not go on with just another believer. The, the things that go on uh, in, in relationship with Kyle, when uh, some of you have heard Kyle's uh, bantering on our crew app, and, and that, those types of things would not go on outside of this relationship. There is a unique bond that is present. And when you hear our Tuesday night Bible study men's group, there is a lot of laughter, there's a lot of uh, encouragement, but there is a unique relationship that is present because we consider ourselves to be part of Bellbrook Community Church. Now we have, this last week, we had a friend of uh, uh, Seth's that joined us on our men's group uh, Bible study, which was fantastic. But our, our group continues to grow that are connecting online. But there is a unique relationship between these. We're, there is conversations that are going on outside of this. And, and individuals are connecting outside of a Sunday morning event developing deeper relationships because God requires deeper relationship with individuals that consider themselves to be part of the body of Christ. Now another word for this located in the scripture is the word fellowship. We are a fellowship. Those that gather here, we are a fellowship. Those of you that watched uh, the Lord of the Rings series, you know, that group that gathered together, they were the fellowship of the ring, you know, and it was a, uh, it, I, it gave them an identity that they were working together for one purpose, for one cause. And so for us that are gathered here, we are called into a fellowship, a specific group of individuals that consider themselves advancing the cause of Christ here in this area. So we are told that the early followers of Jesus not only devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, but to the fellowship. And today, when we think of Christian fellowship, we think of meeting, greeting, and eating. We, we do well with all three of those. We do, we do well with meetings, we do well with saying hello, and we definitely love eating some of you are missing our, our Sunday breakfast time. Trust me, it will come back eventually. You're missing our potlucks. Uh, one of the great things about this moving into summer, even with the social distancing, is we're going to get some barbecues together because you can still be outside and have some space and the sunlight is great. It kills off everything and, and we're going to enjoy time together because as the body of Christ, we need those things. The biblical idea of fellowship goes much deeper, though, than a covered dish. 
Did you know that? That, that a covered dish, although it may be tasty and may be fun, it is not really fully embracing what fellowship is all about. The Greek word here for fellowship is the word koinonia. In its most basic sense, koinonia means sharing or participating. Sharing or participating. And so when we look at koinonia, we look at the fellowship aspect of what God is calling us to. It is sharing the resources that we have together. It is not only sharing the resources, but the skill sets. Do you realize that God wants you to work together to help other people accomplish big task like um, last summer we went out to uh, Seth and Mrs. House and we cut uh, we spent time cutting wood gathering wood stacking wood we spent an, an entire Saturday out there we went out and, and there's a group that did that over at Miss Jean's house and there's individuals that have gone out to JP's and helped do some work on his property and people that are you know have helped in and you've bounced around at different people's houses to be part of something to share your abilities with them. See, that's part of what being part of the fellowship is about, is that you're sharing your skill sets to enhance, to better support somebody else. Uh, Just a couple of weeks ago, um, Gabriel came out and used some of his plumbing skills to help us with a, a problem we were having at our house. Now, I I could have done something it wouldn't have been as productive. It would have cost me probably a lot more money in the long run because I would probably have broke a few things along the way. And, and the frustration would have mounted and we may have been without water, you know, for a week or two. You just never know. Has, has anybody else ever done that because you took on a project that you had limited knowledge and ability about and you increased the length of time for it to get done? And then you finally brought in a professional to fix the problem. See, I am thankful that God has brought together in the body of Christ individuals that have skill sets that will help us to accomplish what is necessary. And so that is where you're sharing and you're participating. Like today, those of you that were worshiping God with us, either in-house or online, you are participating. I can tell you, because my wife led worship for many years, and, and I've talked with Meredith, she finds a greater level of satisfaction when your faces actually show what's going on inside of you. And if your worship is, is actually doing something, there should be some type of a visible, visible representation of what's happening on the inside. And so God wants to see that. And it actually helps the body of Christ when we participate. Now, I love it when we have a function together and we participate in some things together. Uh, I love it when we have need volunteers in an area and uh, we have people that show up and do it. This, this last Saturday, we had a couple people that volunteered to come in and do some cleaning for us. We've been self-cleaning the church here. And uh, this week, we had our stellar members, uh, Gene Meyer, who cleaned the church for how many years, Gene? 
22 years, Jean came back and reworked some skills and vacuumed the sanctuary for us, and, and, uh, and Miss Elaine came and, and helped clean up our bathrooms. And so, you know, our two 80-plus-year-old, I'm, I'm just stopping at 80-plus-year-old members got out there and served the, they participated in the church. They, they were doing things. They're not saying, listen, just because we're old doesn't mean we want to stop working. We want to stop living. I realize the older I get, the more I still want to do things for the kingdom of God. And people say, oh, you just called them old. They, they're not questioning that. They tell me that all the time. Now, that Jean named her group the Young at Heart that she leads for her seniors group. And they are going to be meeting tomorrow um, at uh, 10 10 o'clock in the fellowship hall. And so uh, if there's any that uh, seniors that want to gather together, there'll be plenty of space. You can spread out. But if you need just something to do to get out tomorrow at 10 o'clock, it is Memorial Day, but they're still going to meet. And so a lot of people, if they do something with their family, are doing it later. And we want to invite you out to come and be part of that. If you want to join, again, I want to just say, if you want to join with our men's group, um, on, on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock, um, this last week, we literally, we were let, saying goodnight at 8.30, although some kept talking. But we officially ended at 8.30. Uh, but we want you to know, we want you to come and be part, and it, it will help you connect. It'll help you participate. I love the insight that each one of you bring to the discussion. I intentionally sit back. I, I love talking. I love Bible studies. I love wrestling with the Scripture. I love uh, being able to talk about what I've learned about the Word. But I also like hearing from other men in the church, from others who have wrestled with the Scriptures, and, and getting their perspective on those things. So I just I want you to all know, please join into these things on Wednesday nights, um, we have a group that's meeting in the sanctuary here for our adult Bible study, and uh, we also have a Zoom presence. So we've had several people that connect on our, uh, with us on Zoom, and so if you're not able to be present, you can still connect with us on our Zoom meeting and be part of that. Uh, our youth and, and college group are meeting downstairs, and, and so you just need to understand that we're doing this, and, and it is so much better when you participate. That's what fellowship is, is all about, is that we are learning to do things together. And just because there are some uh, social distancing type uh, things that are going on, doesn't mean that we cannot function as the, way, as the body of Christ the way God intended it. Now, we're trying to be respectful to our communities uh, and our leaders, but we also know that the body of Christ needs to function and move together to accomplish what God has called us to do. Many times it requires sacrificial commitment. In order to be part of the body of Christ, it many times requires you to sacrifice some of your personal things that you want to do in order to do what God is, has going on in a moment. So I just want you to be aware that sacrifice is part of being part of the body of Christ. It, it means that we are willing to set aside our own personal desires so that we can be part of something bigger. It involves a personal investment in both the spiritual and material welfare of our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
I'm so thankful for those of you that have been regular in your giving. Uh, For our church, a portion of our giving goes into a benevolence fund. And out of that fund, we are able to meet needs in our community. And that has been fantastic this year. We've been able to, uh, we help the Ministerial Association, which meets a lot of local needs um, from helping with food to gas to paying uh, some DPNL bills or whatever it is. Whatever needs those are, we're able to help in those areas. So we participate in that. Uh, this last week, we gave into the Family Resource Center, which helps people also with food and, and other items that they need to run their houses. And so those are able to happen because of your faithfulness and your giving. That is part of what we set aside from all the funds that come in is this, not only do we, sub, we have some mission organizations that we support, but we also have a local benevolence fund that gives us the ability to reach local needs as well. So in other words, you are not committed to, uh, in other words, you are not committed to the biblical fellowship if you're not participating in biblical stewardship. See, we can't say, yes, that's my church, but we never give anything. You know, that's, that's a limited involvement if we say, yes, that's my church, but um, I'm going to use my resources for myself. If you're going to be part of something, it's going to cost you. It's like when you decide that you're going to have a family. How many know that families cost money? One of the things, because families have been spending more time at home, they have, they have showed that families' food budgets have tripled over the last two months. Tripled. So when you look at that, having a family costs money. And the bigger the family, the more money it eventually costs you. That same principle is true of the body of Christ. Being part of this costs you something. So we cannot, you know, we cannot hold back and say that there is not a need for you to be a steward and to give as God is directed in His Scripture. You know, other organizations have no problem asking for your money. But for some reason, we get a little bit offended if the church starts asking for money, saying, oh, they just want my money. We don't really want your money. We want you to operate by the standards that God has placed upon you. And if you walk in full obedience to what God has laid out for you, we don't ever have to worry about it. And and I praise God that our people are faithful, even through this last couple months of times where we were doing Uh, ministry online, our people were still sending in their tithe, they were giving in our online component, and we are just thankful for your faithfulness. But, But we're also not afraid to talk about it, because we know that it's part of the process. And when we start studying these different aspects of what it means to be part of a fellowship, part of a body, we realize that there is a requirement that is placed upon us that requires us to do something. Now, this next one anothering skill, and and you will be excited to hear that I've stopped it with just one point today. I have one item that I'm going to cover today. Now, in this one item, there are two specific things that are mentioned, but I have one item that we're going to cover. Now, before we get into it, I want you to understand that it is the least appreciated uh, item of all the one anothering skills out there. Actually, it is the one most people avoid. That's why I'm stopping with just one today. Some of you, once we get into this, 
you're going to think, I should have watched online today. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, it is, it is a challenging one. It is one that people struggle with. Let's get there. James 5.16. Our 20th one another skill is confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another. James 5.16 places it this way. So confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so you might be healed. The prayer of a godly person is powerful. Things happen because of it. Now, although this is one of the most difficult pieces to acknowledge before our brothers and sisters, we find attached to this in the passage here that this passage is actually has so much power present if we will walk this out. Listen to this. Sins kept in secret continue to have power and authority over our lives. Sins kept in secret continue to have power and authority over our lives. If you are unwilling to acknowledge the power of sin in an area of your life and you keep it secret, then that, that item has the ability to control you and direct you wherever it would like you to go. It is not accountable to anyone. And that is why this one, that's why the enemy would love for you to keep all of your sins private. It's, it, the enemy will tell you, that's none of their business. This is between you and God. And, and I'm not arguing that this is between you and God, but very clearly in God's Word, He also says that if you want to experience deliverance in your life, you need to confess your sins to one another. Now, this isn't just telling you to haphazardly go out there and confessing to the world every mistake you've ever made. He's saying this is dealing with you and your relationship with others in the body of Christ that have an honest interest in your welfare. Because he follows this up with this level of accountability. When, when we when we are willing to name our sin, it brings us to a new level of accountability within the body of Christ. How many of you like accountability? A few of you. When I have been in competitions from whether it was weight loss or exercise, whatever it is, you join with other people because you can, you're accountable to them. There is a level of interaction that can help you to do better. When they see you, if you are on an eating competition, not an eating competition, we're all good at eating competitions, we eat good, but we're on a not eating competition. <laughs> when we're trying to improve our health and we're restricting the amount of calories we intake, and those in our family are aware of this decision we've made and we've asked them to enter into an accountable relationship with us. And when they see us going to the refrigerator or freezer late at night, they can gently, we give them permission, say, hold me accountable. 
And we, they can say to us, um, is that what you've committed to do? Now, that's just being accountable. Now, that person, you don't have to make the decisions for them. That person will then have to deal with the decision or the confrontation of that moment and, and decide whether or not they're going to continue in that accountability. Because now that someone has confronted them, what are they going to do with it? One of the biggest challenges with this command from the Lord is we who are hearing these confessions, we who have entered into this accountable relationship with others in the body of Christ, we cannot act with such a high and mighty attitude that belittles them and brings condemnation. That is why many do not ever want to confess their sins because when it happens... We make those people feel insignificant. We make them feel like losers. If we want to establish a culture in the church that people sense a level of freedom in this area of living, we need to make it clear that we all struggle with something and that God views sin as sin. And when we fall short of God's standards lined out for us in the Scripture... We have committed the same level of sin that someone else, even if it's something that we don't think is a big issue. It's not whether or not you've put any level of value on what they did or didn't do. It is this individual has been, con has been um, convicted by the Holy Spirit. And now they are dealing with that conviction by saying, Lord, forgive me for my sin." And that's why when, someone, when we develop a culture in the body of Christ and someone comes to us and says, brother, sister, I need to talk with you. Now I'm going to tell you very clearly here. I believe God's standard is very clear in these things. For a level of accountability to stay where it needs to be, men need to talk with men. Women need to talk with women about these things. Okay, You need to keep it so that the enemy does not have a foothold in your life. And, and sometimes what the enemy will do is say, yeah, you can confide in this person of the opposite sex because he wants to lead you into a trap. So let me just encourage you to maintain that man-to-man, woman-to-woman interaction in these times of confession. And if we want to develop a culture that truly uh, allows this, when those things happen, we listen intently. We don't listen with a level of judgment. We listen with a desire to encourage and, and strengthen them. And then when we begin to help them walk this out, when we call them uh, and into levels of accountability later on, we do so so that they walk in a level of freedom. The word confess in this passage is important for us to understand. In the Greek, it carries with it an acknowledgement with openness and joy. An acknowledgement with openness and joy. How in the world can we attach openness and joy with the confession of sin? See, this isn't about a celebration of mistakes. This is about a celebration of us surrendering to God 
the things that the enemy is trying to use to hold us back. And when we surrender to God these things that have control over us, what happens is there is a celebration that begins to happen because the enemy is losing. God is beginning to establish a new level of strength and stamina in the, in the believer's life. And they begin to experience something that only the Spirit of God is able to bring about in the relationship of an individual. See, being bound by sin indicates an area for a healing to take place in the life of the person confessing it. That's why in our earlier passage, it told us to pray for one another so you might be healed. And this follows their confession. And so when we begin to attach the fullness of this verse together, when we begin to weave together all the different pieces of this, we realize that when we confess our sins, and then that believer immediately enters into a place of prayer for the life of the individual, they're praying that God would bring healing into their life. What, a brought, what brought about the sin? Is there an injury that in the past needs to be addressed? There is a healing that needs to take place, and that's where we begin to pray that, the, that Father God would begin to open the, the awareness up of the individual to what is bringing about their inclination to sin, their leanings towards this area of weakness. In order for the celebration that God attaches to this event to be full, God wants us to address healing in that area that caused the pain. See, our desire for our brothers and sisters should be one of completeness. Ephesians, I believe, talks about that the, that the believer will be, uh, come to a fullness of, of the faith, complete in all things. That God wants us to be so concerned with the lives of those in the body of Christ that when they come to us and confess our sins, that we immediately enter into a time of prayer for them, that God would reveal what the initial pain was all about to bring about a level of completeness in their life. What are you willing to do for your fellow brother or sister in Christ. What are you willing? See, when we talk about this in the well, in the scope of being part of the fellowship, part of Bellbrook Community Church, we're, we're going to keep this narrow right now. Those of you that consider this church to be your home, what are you willing to do for those in this body when they come to you and say, listen, I've sinned. Sometimes we want to make light of it and say, well, I made a mistake. I, I, I erred in my way. And I'm not saying those are wrong, but we need to be willing to say it just like the Scriptures. I sinned. What are you willing to do for that one that comes to you? What are you willing to do to help them in their journey to overcome 
whatever it is? Are you willing to go deep in their life and help them to figure out what the initial pain was? My question is, are you safe? Are you safe? Are you a safe person that someone can come to? Can this individual trust that this area of sin that they've confessed to you will stay between you and them? And that you'll help them? See, and that's where I was talking about so many struggle with this area because they're not, they cannot trust those that are part of the body of Christ to keep that in a confide that will work with them and helping them to overcome it. Many times, all of a sudden, this one situation that was shared with one individual now is known by 20, 30 people. And then those people look at them. And church, I know you don't want to think that any of us ever do this, but if, if you look at someone doing something that you don't agree with, you have a look of judgment about you, whether you realize it or not. We place a level of judgment on them, and then they immediately sense this pressure. And that's where the enemy begins to capitalize on this. Because the enemy just says, see, they don't care about you. And what we end up doing is we help the enemy drive somebody away from God because we don't allow them to walk in a level of confession and prayer and healing, bringing restoration in their souls. See, I told you, this is a difficult one. Are you safe? Are you willing to do what it takes to be a safe place for someone to come and talk? Are you ready to pray? Are you ready to pray? To get on your knees with this person, this brother or sister in the Lord, and begin to seek God for healing and do whatever it takes. Are you willing to commit yourself to prayer, not just on that moment, but every day, if it requires you to text them every hour of every day for the next two weeks to see them delivered? They talk about it takes, what, 21 days of continually doing a, a, a certain situation for it to be developed into a habit. And if are you willing to commit to someone, to link arm in arm with someone over a 21-day period to help them to walk in a level of freedom and deliverance? Are you willing to do that? Can you pray with such a level of intensity, such a level of decisiveness that allows this individual to understand and to be aware that you're with them? Now let's make it personal. Are you struggling in an area in your life? Are there areas in your life that the enemy has control over you in? Do you want freedom? Worship team, if you would be able to come back up. Freedom 
comes through a process of confession and prayer. Through a process of us dealing with the things that the enemy wants to utilize to control our lives. Just bow your heads with me for a moment. God, we realize that these one anothering skills that have been placed in your word were not just placed there randomly, but they were placed there because we need these in our lives and our church to function as you have intended. That as long as we ignore them, as long as we avoid them, that we give the enemy control in our lives. Lord, we surrender to you. That piece of our lives that has fallen short of your standard, of your goals. We don't want to give the enemy any more control. And so today, Lord, we commit to you that we will link up with the a brother, a sister. That we will confess that area of sin in our lives that is holding us back from being who you've called us to be. of you we need less of us that gets in the way hallelujah some of you here may be already feeling this leaning to want to connect with someone And I'm going to release you just here in this time. If you want to step out and grab a a brother or sister in the Lord and just, uh, just ask them to begin to pray for you, to talk, 
with them about some of the things that are going on. We're just going to take a moment here. Just want to release you to do that. If the Spirit of God is leading you, if the Spirit of God's calling you out here, praise God. Meredith, can you lead us in something just here for a moment? Hallelujah, Jesus. How can I say it is well when my voice can barely speak? How can I sing you a song in the midst of suffering? Jesus, will you your peace wash over me cause I need you now more than ever thank you Lord teach my soul to see my God is still in control and still he reigns on his throne though mountains may tremble Sing it is well in my soul. My God is in control. Jesus. You have not left me alone. Oh, the world has let me down. All of my Let's sing this together.
That's what we desire. We desire for it to be well with our soul. And it will be well when we surrender to God all the things that He desires in us. And so, praise God. We're so thankful that you've worshipped with us today. Praise God. We're going to pray over our offering today and uh, pray a blessing on it. Praise God. Gabriel, would you be willing to grab the plates there and you and Anthony at the back? Uh, they might be in the office upstairs still. Thank you. Praise God. Those of you who have been calling about camp, um, we are, 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 all of our decision makers are in the process of talking about that. We should have an answer from what I'm hearing this week. So I know several of you have sent in requests about whether or not church camp is going to happen this summer uh, for kids and for teens. We don't know is the answer yet. They are they are deciding. Um, they will make the. They have been given a tentative permission, but it has to meet certain parameters, and so they have to figure out if they can actually do that. And so they're trying to make that decision. So uh, Gabriel, if you and Anthony would come, but I just wanted you to be aware we're not being. Quiet just for the sake of being quiet. JP? Yeah, we won't get them lost in the middle of the woods there. You know, they'll be... <laughs> It's not going to be releasing them. Okay, you guys have 120 acres to go play. So. <laughs> All righty, let us pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give. We pray your blessing on this offering, that it would be multiplied to meet the needs of our church. We thank you for the faithfulness of your people in their giving. And we just pray a blessing on each one of your people, Father, as we continue to move together to accomplish what you've set, us, set up for us to do. We thank you for this. We ask for this in your name. Amen. God bless you when the offering is beyond you. We just release you to... Uh, greet one another today. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today.